and welcome back, or welcome to the Riley Breakfield Show. I am your host, Riley Breakfield. I hope that you're having a wonderful week because I'm sure shit not. So let's be honest. I was uh, going to start the show off. Um, I was in the hospital earlier this week. Um, I had a bout with diabetic ketoacidosis. Um, it's where I had too many ketos inside my bloodstream. Um, I'm not exactly sure the, the typicals of it, but it's in the hospital for a couple of days. Um, that's why I didn't have an episode on Tuesday. If you don't follow me on social media, I did post on Instagram and Twitter that I wouldn't be having an episode on Tuesday. If you didn't see that, I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, I was just taking care of my health. Didn't feel good. I was in the hospital throwing up all day Monday. I threw up about 15 times. It's a, it's a scary deal, but doing all right. Probably going to take quite a few more water breaks throughout. Got to stay as hydrated as possible. Trying to get myself back to full health, but that's just kind of what was going on with me. Um, I'm alive and well, you know, just kicking, just got to take better care of myself. Just something that happens with diabetes. It's, it's common. Um, but yeah, just want to let you guys know that. And I'm, you know, once again, I'm sorry if you were looking forward to an episode on Tuesday, couldn't do that for you, but you know, I want to kind of, I've packed enough stuff in today to kind of hope to make up for it. You know, I'm going to a lot of new stuff I want to talk about. I'm going to preview some college basketball this weekend, big 12 SEC challenge, a lot of good games there. Um, obviously, the conference championships, and you know, in my video that I did put out on Instagram and Twitter, I did talk a little bit about, um, you know, the teams that lost in the divisional round, kind of what their future looks like. Probably gonna talk a little bit more about that, you know, as I get down to those games, just kind of give my thoughts about their future, how things are looking, what they should do to kind of get to that next step they need to. Um, one love, one hate as well. But yeah, that's today's show. Um, ugh. I hate burping. I hate when I have to burp. But yeah, that's today's show. You know, we'll get into it. Let's just start with the news. How about? Sorry, I had to unplug my computer there because she's overheating for some reason. It always happens when it's plugged in and I'm trying to record at the same time. It's just, I have a lot of problems in my life, it seems like nowadays, you know, and I got a fucking ginormous hospital bill coming my way, so that should be fun. I'm looking forward to it. You know, great way to start the new year. Absolutely fucking tremendous. But first domino in the head coaching search for NFL head coaches has fallen. Frank Reich is uh, going to be the new head coach of the Carolina Panthers. You know, um, some people are upset because Steve Wilkes did do a tremendous job to close out the season. But in my opinion, I do think this is the right move for the Panthers. Frank Reich is, um, you know, an offensive-minded coach. And you look at where where things are in the NFL right now, you kind of need an offensive-minded coach to get yourself to that um, that Super Bowl, you know, get yourself to that next level. You think about the Eagles, Nick Sirianni, offensive guy, Kyle Shanahan, offensive guy, Andy Reid, offensive guy, Zach Taylor, offensive guy, you know, I mean, even the only guy that was still a defensive-minded coach going into the divisional round was Sean McDermott. We saw how that worked out for them. So I think this is the right move. I don't know who they're going to decide to go with that quarterback, but I am excited for you know Frank Wright getting another opportunity. I feel like he kind of got a bad shake there in Indianapolis with the the constant flow of who was going to be the quarterback, you know, who, who they're going to have this year. So I do think you know it's a fair shot for him to get another opportunity. I think he is a good coach. I mean, he did take close to the playoffs quite a few times. The Panthers are going to be a fun team, you know, quite a few picks to work with, and, you know, a new quarterback, somebody that Frank Wright can really mold into who he wants to who he wants that quarterback, he can decide at this point, you know, it's not just ever this ever never ending search for a quarterback. So I, I think it's going to be the right move for them. I think it might pay off. You know, they're playing in a, probably the weakest division in football. You know, you look at what they did this year. Don't know how things are going to shake out next year, but probably 
really close to similar. So excited for Frank Craig, excited to see what he can do, you know. But staying with coaching, you know, Coach Prime got a got a big crew over the weekend that I was excited to talk about. Cormani McLean um, officially um, announced his commitment to play for Colorado, you know, back-to-back number one corners in uh, – back-to-back recruiting classes and both these guys are five stars best in their class um i'm excited for it you know we haven't seen these guys play together there's going to be a lot of speculation you know but you think about the opportunity that they have to showcase their talents learn under coach prime and i mean i feel like this is going to be a constant thing we're going to see the next couple of years um if coach prime is you know sitting at these power five jobs these young cornerbacks are going to want to go learn from him why would you not i mean he's the best defensive back there ever was in the history of Football, he's, I mean, arguably number one. I don't think there's much debate about that, what he was able to do on the field, an unbelievable talent. So if you're, you know, a young guy, why, why would you not want to go learn from one of the best to ever do it? You know, set yourself up to maybe be better than him one day. So I think it was a smart move. I'm excited to see what's going to happen. Colorado keeps getting lots of fun guys in there. They're going to be fun to watch next year, but I'm, I'm, actually, I'm excited for it. I think it's, I think it's the right move for Cormani. I think it's an awesome gift for Coach Prime. You know, they probably paid him a bag, but who cares if they even paid him a bag? If they paid him a bag, so fucking what? These kids deserve to get paid. That's how the world is right now. Might as well do it. If it doesn't work out, oh, well, it's money that wasn't spent properly. But to think that Colorado has a ton of money to pay kids was asinine at the same time as well. You know, I don't I don't see that really being too big of a too big of a thing right now in Colorado. Maybe in a couple of years, if, if uh, Dion is still there, I could see it kind of being more of an impact, but... You know, we'll see what happens there. You know, sticking with what Dion, you know, what he was doing at Jackson State, a lot of other HBCUs such as Bethune Cookman, they had hired Ed Reed. Ed Reed had, uh, you know, made an Instagram post about all the trash they were having to pick up, how corrupt the system was at the, you know, at Bethune Cookman, a bunch of stuff like that. He decides to step down because they wouldn't rework his contract to as well. It was just a weird situation, but you know, all those people saying, well, Coach Prime, you know, leaving HBCUs, it's more of a, it's more of an HBCU thing. They're not taking care of their programs. They're not allowing for these young kids to come in and really excel, allowing for these coaches to come in and excel. It's just a corrupt system. Same as it's always been, you know, I'm, not really speaking out of turn here when I say this, but black communities, they kind of have always had stuff like this happen. There, there's a lot of corruption going on in, their, in those systems. You know, it's not always, people aren't always out there looking to benefit the kids, the coaches, the athletes, all that stuff. You know, you think about a lot of black communities that are hampered with crime and such. It's just people, they want to look good, but they don't actually want to put in the effort to help change things that will make the world a better place to help get these young kids that come from these shitty situations to really get their lives on track. So I, I respect the fuck out of Ed Reed for doing that because he's just proven a, proven a point that, you know, they need to be better if they actually want to excel and they want to keep guys like Deion Sanders, Ed Reed, you know, Eddie George at Tennessee State. If you want to keep those guys, you can't just expect them to come in and change everything. I mean, Deion Sanders put a bunch of money into Jackson State, his own money, and really helped turn them around. So we'll see what happens with that. I think, you know, it's just a shitty situation. You hate to see it, but that's just... That's just the nature and the beast of it, you know. So another little college football thing um, I saw over the weekend, uh, Georgia transfer wide receiver from Mississippi State, Ra Ra Thomas, you know, weird things keep happening in Georgia. He was uh, arrested on misdemeanor and felony charges. I didn't really look too much to what it was. Just kind of like, gee, something just doesn't seem right with Georgia. There's just a lot of weird stuff going on there at the program, a lot of, a lot of sad stuff as well, you know, the passing of a – um, the young player and the young staffer as well, you know, that's a whole a whole situation in itself. But uh 
you know, hopefully, you know, it's nothing crazy. Hopefully he can get his life figured out and get back out there and uh, do what he's good at. You know, that's all you can really hope for. But I got a bone to pick in the college basketball world, a big bone to pick. It was reported, you know, some anonymous college coach came out and said there's a lot of hoops to jump through to try to get the Bronny James. Entitlement is what I'm going to call it. I'm going to call it entitlement. You know, I, I don't give a fuck who you are, who your parents are. I still feel like college coaches, if they want you on their team, they still should recruit you just the same, no matter who you are, who your daddy is. So to me, the whole the whole situation with that, it just screams entitlement. You know, everything that LeBron says he's against, pretty much. To me, that just screams entitlement. So what? I don't give a shit who your kid is. He's not even the best player in his class. He's like 40th. It's probably going to be a fucking nobody's whole fucking career. Probably not, but, I mean, he should still be recruited just like everybody else just because he has the last name of one of the best basketball players of the entire – of all time doesn't mean that he should get special treatment. doesn't mean anything, really. He should still be recruited the same parents. Just, I mean, coaches should still be able to just come sit in the living room and be like, this is, you know, this is what we see for you. This is what we can offer you. This is how we can, you know, help you out, you know, because that's the thing. He's only the 40th best player in his class. He's not the number one, number two guy. He still needs help to be a lottery pick. He still needs help to be a first-round pick. Technically, sitting right now, he's a mid-second-round pick. So maybe those college coaches could, you know, help him out, help raise his stock. But I don't know. Daddy's got too big of a fucking head and too much fucking entitlement that it doesn't allow for that to happen. So personally, I think it's kind of fucked up. I think it's kind of a weird situation. I don't agree with it. I feel like he should be recruited just like everybody else. That's my honest opinion about that. You know, and speaking of weird things, you know, going back to Cleveland, even, you know, Ben Watson, a 17-year NFL vet, um, <clears throat> spent some time in Cleveland, you know, he uh, came out the other day and said that in an interview process when he was trying to get signed there, the, somebody had asked him, you know, sitting in a dark room, barely lit, almost like an interrogation room, had asked him, you know, do you smoke weed? He said no. The guy then grabs his wrist to check his pulse and asks him again, like, what? That's it. Is, just shows how fucking horrible the Cleveland Browns organization used to be. It seems like they're on up and up, but not really. I mean, they traded for Deshaun Watson. They still have shitty year, so nothing's really changing for them. But absolutely just a weird, just kind of almost a racist approach, I'd honestly say, to the interview. Like, just because he's black, you assume that he smokes pot, and then you're going to ask him again. Like, I just, I don't agree with it. I think it's really, it's just really weird. I read it, and I was like, what the fuck? It just blew my mind. I couldn't believe that fucking that's how you're going to interview somebody as a professional and somebody that is a professional as well, you know, but whatever. So you're around the clean around. That's why they suck for so long, right? Uh, told you I got to stay hydrated. I'm sorry if that interrupts the, I don't know how to edit the best yet. So those are probably still be left in there. My apologies. The dumb old bitch that Nancy Pelosi is um, is going to get away with a white-collar crime. Um, a couple weeks ago, she sold $3 million worth of Google stock, and then it was just reported the other day um, the DOJ opened a lawsuit against Google and their monopoly um, on the tech world and the tech industry. Um, so basically, she knew it was coming. She sold all of her stock so that she wouldn't lose any money. Once again, insider trading, but she's not going to get... You know, she's not going to get anything for her. She's going to get away with it. Like everyone was saying online, just white-collar crime. Just, once again, continuously showing us how corrupt our political system is, man. And I, I keep seeing stuff from Democrats and Republicans, both sides, saying they're not doing this, they're not doing that. 
It's horseshit. It's all fucking horseshit. Stop fucking blaming the other. Stop trying to point blame to the other. How about we just work together and actually make things better for everyone that lives within the United States? Let's, like, come together. Like, swallow your fucking pride. Pull the fucking dildo out of your ass. Pull the dick out of your ass. Whatever's fucking you. Get over it and make the country a better fucking place. I'm kind of getting sick and tired of it, dude. We need, like, a whole fucking sweeping brigade, like... We need to start the fucking capital again. I don't know. Like, I'm so tired of these politicians and the constant back and forth. We're better than them. We're better than them. How about you just be better? How about you just do your job? Let's do that instead. That makes sense to me, at least. I don't know. What do I know? I'm just fucking a 23-year-old sitting here with a podcast that maybe 10 people listen to. But it makes sense to me. Why don't we work together to actually make this place better so that we stop having this ginormous political divide, this ginormous race divide that doesn't even need to be there because it's not a fucking thing because who the fuck cares what color skin you are? We're all people. That's just my bone to pick with politics right now. I'm fucking sick and tired of seeing that shit. But here we got some fun news now. Brazilian mother gave gave birth to a 16-pound, two-foot-tall baby. Saw a picture of this thing. Oh my god, this baby was ginormous. It was the size of a fucking two-year-old, basically. Huge baby, but yeah, wild. If you can go Google that and you'll see the fucking size of this baby, you're gonna shit your bricks and wonder how this woman pushed this child out. Unreal. <clears throat> There's also this new AI technology by Navita that will not break eye contact with the camera. So sitting here like this, like staring into the camera like I am right now, if you're watching the YouTube, it would do this the whole time. I could look away and I would still be looking at the camera. Weird technology, kind of creepy. It's almost, I saw the video, of the, the video that I saw that the guy was basically, it was a side-by-side and it was showing him talking, but then it was showing him looking into the camera, obviously. And it was just creepy. Just like he was standing in the depths of my soul the whole entire time. But the world just keeps on changing, man. You know what I mean? It's just never... The weirdest shit keeps happening, this AI shit keeps happening, it's probably going to keep happening, but just interesting. I got one more bone to pick before I move on to my one loved one. Hey, I'm picking a bone right now with these NFL mock draft guys, these NFL scouts, all this stuff. Can someone please help me understand how like the draft combine and all these stupid little skills challenges... And all their their size, their weight, all these intangible things, how they really, really matter to making someone a good NFL player. Like for instance, I saw Todd McShay talking about how Bryce Young, you know, he's six foot, but he's he's undersized, he's one ninety four, you know, not big enough. Did you not watch Bryce Young the past two years in the toughest conference in college football? tear up defenses, put together amazing two-minute drives, and fuck, I hate Alabama. I don't fucking like Bryson. I want him to fail. Not really. I'm just, you know what I mean? Like, but this kid, like, he excelled at the collegiate level. He was a stud. But his size is in question. But Anthony Richardson and Will Levis, who haven't really, who never really did a whole lot for their team, I'm sorry. In my opinion, if you're a quarterback, your team, and you're a top-tier prospect, your team should probably, uh, you know, win at least eight games, not six just my opinion. So I, I, I don't believe the Will Levis hype. I don't believe the Anthony Richardson hype. But it all comes down to these intangibles. It all comes down to the size stuff. All these, you know, these these throws they're making when they're not getting pressure. These throws they're making when they're not wearing pads. All these, you know, the, the cone drills, all that stuff. Like, how does that actually really matter? In my opinion, I feel like the on-field product is what actually should matter. Just because somebody can throw the ball five extra yards farther than somebody else... That means they're better. Okay, but why didn't they show that in college? Why didn't they help their team win more? Why weren't they? 
like, yeah, maybe it comes down to coaching, but at the same time, you can't just change that shit in a night. I don't know. I just think it's ridiculous. I think that Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay are just fucking, I don't think, I don't, I just don't get it, I guess. I mean, they put all these guys up there and they say that, you know, they're the best of the best and that they should be top 10 picks, but why? Everyone on the fucking internet, everyone that enjoys football, everyone's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Will Levis and Anthony Richardson, really? Top 10 picks, really? After the seasons they had of zero output, really? Of not having a good season? But they're like, no, it doesn't make sense. You should win games. And that goes the same for every other position. You should be dominating. You should be the best. At your, you should have the most yards, the most you know, touchdowns, yards per carry, most tackles. Like You should be making an impact on the field. And that should stand out more than, oh, this guy's a little bit faster than this guy. I don't know. It just doesn't make sense to me. I feel like the on-field product should be better than what these combines and these scouts all think, in my opinion. I don't think they all know it. I think. I mean, how many times do we see guys miss? Like, because of fucking the combine. Like Zach Wilson, perfect example. The same thing's going to happen with Anthony Richardson and Willis. But what do I know? Same thing. 23-year-old, there's not a podcast. 10 people listen to it. Just taking what I feel. Not for one love, one hate, you know? Let's get to that. Since I was in the hospital, I figured I might as well love on the hospital, right? Loving on one day in the hospital, hospital ice. That pebble ice, dude, is just the best ice in the world. It feels like you only ever get it at fucking the hospital. So when I was there, dude, I was like, can I get a cup of ice? Can I get a cup of ice? Can I get a cup of ice? Absolutely love the ice. I mean, I told every single nurse, I was like, this is the best ice in the world. Can I please get some of it? And so, you know, I got it. So, loving on hospital ice, it's some of the best ice in the world. There's nothing, there's just nothing better, in my opinion. That's just how I see it. I just love hospital ice. I'm hating on, however, though, hospital beds, because those things are so uncomfortable. I got so many back problems now that I was in the hospital for two nights. Fuck, back hurts. They're so uncomfortable. They're tight. They're small. They're not comfortable. They're not big enough for my, they're not big enough for my six-foot ass, dude. I'm not even, I'm six-foot. I'm not that tall. Like, I'm average height of most people, I would say. But I was uncomfortable the whole time. So I hate on hospital beds because they are uncomfortable. You can't. I could have my wife snuggle up on me. I'm a snuggler. Like, I'm, I'm not a, I'm afraid to admit that. I like to snuggle. I like to feel my wife's butt cheeks. Like, that's just normal everyday stuff. And to not have that was probably the worst part of being in the hospital. But that's just my one love. That's just my one hate for this week. Let's move on to some college basketball games. Like I said earlier, Big 12 SEC Challenge kind of headlining the week. Tons and tons of games that are, should be really good ones to watch. First up, Auburn, West Virginia. Um, I'm probably going to go West Virginia on this one. Quite a few reasons. Auburn, you know, they lost earlier this week. You know, not not the best loss to have either. And West Virginia really is a good basketball team. You know, they're they're pretty average offensively and defensively. Ken Palm, 26th and 34th respectively. Auburn, however, 65th and 15th. You know, defensively, they've been tremendous this year. Um, but I feel like being at home for uh, West Virginia is going to be key in this game. You know, Huggins, they, they've been playing really good. West Virginia is really really catching some heat right now. They're playing really good basketball. So I think they're going to come out on this one. I expect Auburn to be favored just because they are highly ranked in West Virginia. It's been up and down, but they are on the uphill trajectory in my opinion right now. So I'm going West Virginia to pull off the upset this weekend. Uh, like I said, I'm sure Auburn will, will be favored in that one. Xavier, Creighton. Sean Miller is really putting together a good team at Xavier this year. Um, you know, Solly Baum's shirt has led the way, and he, I don't see anything stopping on Saturday. I think that, you know, they're going to go into Creighton and win. The only thing that worries me about this game is Creighton is 9-1 and one at home. They've been tremendous at home this year. You know, I mean, they've only lost one game. They've been, they, just when they're at home, they're a better basketball team. I don't think that's going to matter this week, though, or on Saturday. 
like I said, Xavier's playing really good. Tully Baum is just scoring at an unbelievable rate. He's really he's really carrying that team, you know. I think Xavier wins this game by at least six. So that's my pick as far as the spread. Anything under six, take that for sure. That's that's the line that I'm really feeling it's gonna hit. <coughs> Sorry, I thought I was gonna throw up there. I didn't want to do that. Iowa State, Missouri, two teams that used to be well. Missouri used to be in the Big 12, so a little rematch of the Big 12. This should be probably one of the better games this weekend, especially in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Um, Missouri's been playing really good. They've had, you know, they've lost some games they shouldn't have. You know, their defensively is really where they have struggled. Offensively, though, unreal right now. They're averaging 83.4 points per game compared to ISU's 71.1. You know, Missouri's sitting 11th in the country right now in points per game. You know, they're going to be at home as well. It's really going to come down to whether Iowa State can score or Missouri can play defense. Missouri's horrible defensively. I think they ranked like 196 defensively in Ken Palm rating. You know, not the best. Iowa State, though, is a tremendous defensive team. They're sitting right now ninth best defense in the country. So I think it's really going to come down to those two main factors. Can Missouri either play good defense or can Iowa State score? Because one's going to have to go either way. You know, either Missouri's going to score or Iowa State's going to play really good defense. So in turn, the other needs to do exactly the opposite you know so i i i think i'm gonna go missouri on this one i think missouri is gonna score almost at what not at well but i think just their ability to score is really gonna help them i do possibly like the over here i feel like this could be a, a 140 range that feels good to me and maybe at the most uh, at the most probably 140 i would take just because iowa state is so good defensively um, but I, I think I'm going to ride Missouri on this one. I think Iowa State will be favored just because of how good they are defensively. But at the same time, Missouri can score the ball unreally. Like I said, they're 11th in the country right now on points per game. Arkansas, Baylor, another Big 12 SEC Challenge game. Arkansas kind of picking themselves up off the mat. Went two in a row now. You know, they had lost four in a row prior. Um, but I don't really know if that's going to be too much of a factor because Baylor's playing really good basketball right now. They've been on an absolute tear. I think they've won... What five? They have five straight wins right now. You know, a couple good wins in there. They're averaging about seventy-nine point four points per game. I expect them to be favored just because they're at home. Um, to me, if the line is at five or five or under, take Baylor. If it's higher, go Arkansas. I do feel like this game will still be close, but I do think that Baylor wins this one. Not easily, but I, I do think that they win. Now, probably the biggest game in the, of this of the weekend end of this challenge is Texas versus Tennessee. Texas is coming in ranked tenth in the country. Tennessee ranked fourth in the country. Um, both these teams, you know, are in the top forty. Um, Ken Palm offense and defense. Tennessee best team in the country defensively right now. Been playing unreal. I think that's going to be really playing their advantage. But Texas can really score the ball. I mean, I think they're sitting. <clears throat> I think they're sitting 11th right now offensively. They really can score the ball. I mean, so I talked about them quite a few times. Marcus Carr, what he can do. So I, I really do like the over in this one. Probably, you know, anything under 150 is like a surefire bet for me. Um, anything over, I'm probably not taking that just because it gets too risky. Um, so I, I, I do expect this to be a really good game. I really don't know which way to lean because both teams are very similar. I could see Rick Barnes choking going up against his old team. So we'll see, but I'm definitely excited to watch this one this weekend. It should be one of the better games to watch. Kansas, Kentucky, probably the biggest game when it comes to name-wise, you know. I mean, two Blue Bloods, the two winningest college basketball programs in history. Um, 
and Kansas for them. You know, they're coming in losing three straight. Not really looking too hot right now. They've lost. They've lost. They've lost them all close. But Kentucky right now coming in with four straight wins. Oscar Sheway has been absolutely dominating. He's been dominating the boards. He's been leading. He had 15 at a minimum in the past four games, I believe. He had 24 against Georgia rebounds. Um, so, like, he's he's bowling out. I think Kentucky's kind of picking themselves up off the mat. I feel like they'll be favored because of the way they've been playing, the way Kansas has been playing. Um, I do think Kentucky's going to win this game. Um, three feels like a good spread number to me. Um, anything more, I really don't know what to do with it because I could see Kansas winning, I could see Kentucky winning, I could see it close, I could see it blowout. You know, it's just I see it going so many different ways. But I do think Kentucky's going to win more than likely, just the way that they've been playing, especially with Oscar Sheway right now. I, I expect him to really kind of take over the game like he's been doing as of late. So those are the six college basketball games that I'm excited about this weekend, and probably betting I'll probably put something out. Um, put some tweets out, so look out for those, you know, for some gambling advice that's probably the best slash worst gambling advice there is on the internet, so. Drink some water, and then let's talk about the NFL, huh? Oh, that's good, that's good, that's good, that's good. So let's talk about the, the teams that got eliminated for a sec here. Um, Cowboys first up, you know, they, they kind of fumbled the bag once again. A lot of hate going towards Zach. Two interceptions, bad throw to close out the game. Horrible play call to close out the game, first of all. Um, I don't really know what the Cowboys can do to get over that hump. They've kind of been sitting here stagnant for the past couple of years, you know. I mean, it's been, what, 26 years since they've been in the conference championship game. I just, I'm not a big believer in Dak. I'm not a big believer in Zeke. I don't think they have enough talent on that team to really be successful. Um, I think the NFC was just really down this year, and the Cowboys just kind of shined. So, I don't really know what the next move is for the Cowboys, but I, I definitely think they need to do a lot of roster changes and maybe even think about a rebuild because I don't think that this team is ever going to successfully get to a Super Bowl or even a conference championship. Giants, you know, they got blown out by the Eagles. I thought the Giants were going to keep that one close just because I'm not a big believer in the Eagles. Um, they got a lot of guys they got to resign. They got to bring Daniel Jones back, Saquon. Um, I know a couple others as well. Don't really know if they're going to bring Daniel Jones back. I would be surprised if they didn't. He did have a really good year. You know, it seems like he really was flourishing under Dave Ball's system. So I, I think they'll bring him back. But I think their team, you know, they keep building. They keep getting the right pieces in place. Hope they don't have to overspin for Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. Um, keep a little bit of cap space in order for them to kind of get a couple more pieces, um, a couple more additions to really build that roster out and really be successful next year. Which, I, like I said, the NFC is a very weak conference from top to bottom that, um, this last year. Don't see a lot changing. So I, I think that if – well, I do see some changing. you got the Lions coming up. you got the Seahawks coming up. A lot of teams that had okay years but didn't finish out great. Giants kind of were, you know, played better than those guys, so they got in. They won more games, obviously. So I think the you know, just maybe a couple more roster changes, you know, kind of get a couple more pieces in the right place. They can really be successful, you know, win another playoff game next year. Sorry, I had to itch my throat. Going over the AFC, Jaguars, you know, losing the Chiefs, they put on a good performance. Kind of, I like they kind of got lucky when Patrick Mahomes was down with that high ankle sprain. Did kind of work to their advantage. I think that they're definitely a team that you're going to have to watch out for in the AFC. I mean, the AFC is loaded with young quarterbacks. The only thing I'll have to say is I don't think that they have enough talent offensively and defensively to really compete with the Chiefs, the Bengals, and the Bills right now. <coughs> Damn it. But I do think that they have the right pieces in place. I think they need a couple more guys, a 
couple more dudes in there, especially defensively, to really bolster up that defense and kind of make the right moves going forward and really have a good chance at making a conference championship next year. The Bills, however, I don't really know what the Bills need to do, man. I, I really like Josh Allen. I really like Stephon Diggs. You know, I really like what they have, but they just can't seem to get over this hump. It, it just makes you wonder, is it coaching? You know, is it play calling? What is it? Is it the roster? Do they need to make a couple moves, free up some cap space, get a couple different guys? You know, not having Von Miller, I think, played a huge role there. So it's at the same time, it's like, you know, you come back next year with a healthy Von Miller. I think things are a lot different. I think they're in a lot better of a position to succeed. You know, he's a, he's an all time great. He's going to be a first dot Hall of Famer. So I think I think that for them, there's not too much they can do. I think you run it back one more year, doesn't work out, then you kind of move on and kind of figure out what you can do to kind of put the right pieces in place in order to get that ever that get to that Super Bowl if they want to. But that's just my thoughts on those four teams, you know. But moving on, 49ers, Eagles. Um, I'm just gonna get out of the way. I think the 49ers are gonna win. I'm not a big believer in the Eagles. I haven't really been all year. I think they kind of played a you know an easy schedule. They really did. I think they played the easiest schedule in the NFL. And I'm just not. I don't. I'm not too big believer in Jalen Hurts yet. I think that he has the potential to be really good. You know, I'm the 49ers. I'm probably running. You know, a four man front the entire game. You know, Fred Warner on a spy 80 percent of the game. You know, those first down, second down situations. Um, you know, maybe even third and third and short, but when you're looking at third and distance, you know, kind of call out that spy, but for the most part, keep him in a spy. You know, uh, Fred Warner is one of the best linebackers in the NFL, if not the best. So I think, you know, you put him on Jalen Hurts, that's going to kind of be the big deciding factor. And I just don't think, I still don't have a lot of faith in the Eagles. Like I said, I think they're, I think they have a ton of talent, but I don't really think that they're the best team in the NFL. I don't really think that they're, a Super Bowl contender, honestly, if I'm being legit, I think that the 49ers have too much talent throughout their roster that they're going to take care of this one pretty easily. I know the Eagles are favored. I do like the over as well at about 46 and a half. I do think this is going to be a high scoring game possibly, but I think the 49ers walk away with this one pretty easily just because of the talent level that they have. Oh, and also, you know, just because I don't like Nick Sirianni because he reminds me of one of those dudes with a small dick that drives a big truck. He's just fucking annoying. Something about the guy. I just want to punch him in the face every time I see a clip of him getting excited. I'm like, dude, just shut the fuck up. He just seems like he's an arrogant prick. So, fuck you, Nick Sirianni. You can see this. Probably won't, but I just wanted to tell you that, bro. Bengals Chiefs, last note, last game, obviously the most important game. Still don't understand don't understand how the Chiefs are favored to win this game. The Bengals have – these teams have played three times in the past two years. Bengals have won every time by three points. So I would think that the line would be at three-and-a-half or two-and-a-half in Bengals' favor. And it doesn't matter that it's at Arrowhead because the Bengals won there last year. Arrowhead, Arrowhead is a non-factor in this game. Patrick Mahomes is a non-factor in this game. I do not see the Chiefs winning this game. The Bengals have their number. They continuously have their number. Everyone's saying Patrick Mahomes is healthy, but at the same time, if one little fucking twist and turn, that ankle goes down – Changes the whole game, changes the whole season for the Chiefs, changes their whole offense. But at the same time, I don't think Patrick Mahomes deserves to be the MVP because we saw Chad Henning drive 98 yards with the exact same offense. So how much can you really say Patrick Mahomes makes that big of a difference? What, because he can do little sideways throws and he can twirl and he stumbles around like a fat little toddler? Not that fucking special. That's just my opinion. I think Cincinnati's going to win this one, though. I, I, I mean, for the Chiefs defensively, I think, you know, they don't really have too many guys outside of Frank Clark and Chris Jones who can make big plays. You know, they can't make a big play every every play. 
So I think the Bengals are going to win this one easily, especially offensively. I think they'll take care of business. Defensively, their defense has been unreal lately. Lou Spank, or Lou M, I'm a Lou, or however you say his name, he's just been putting up together amazing schemes. We saw that last week. I mean, the Bengals' defense is probably the best in the NFL right now, honestly, the way that they're playing. So I would be really surprised if the Bengals don't win this one. So for this Super Bowl, my pick is the Bengals 49ers. That's the Super Bowl I want to see. I think that would be the best one. I want to see the fucking Chiefs and Eagles. That would be so fucking boring. I'd probably have to shoot myself in the head, but probably not. But that's today's show. I hope you enjoyed. Once again, I'm sorry for not having a show Tuesday. Um, hopefully, I talked enough for you to get get by for the weekend. Hopefully, I gave you enough good gambling advice. Hopefully, I brought some news to your mind. Hopefully, I helped change your mind. Whatever I had to do. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe. You can find me on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. Um, send to your family members. Send to anybody. Send to somebody with diabetes. Because I have diabetes, too, you know? So, we can talk about diabetes. You know, we can be friends. Who knows? But I appreciate your time. I appreciate you listening. For now, your boy titties is out.